the Amnesty International Comedy Podcast. Hello, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this uh, podcast from Amnesty International. Oh, good for you. Yeah, we are Rana and Beverly. I'm Beverly. Yeah. For those of you who don't know. Yes, for those of you who have been hiding under a rock, we are the best-selling co-authors of... You'll do a little better next time. A Guide to Marriage... And Remarriage. And Remarriage for Jewish Singles. But it's for everyone. Yeah. The book is for everyone. You're married, you're not married, you're thinking about being married. In any event, coming up on this show, there's a little chat with Mac Watson and his new baby. The baby doesn't talk or say anything, but it's so cute, you want to eat it alive. Yeah, and Mac, we couldn't get him to stop talking. Yeah. We've got the top five festival tips from The Guardian's Laura Barnett. Oh, I hope we're one of them. And, excuse me, there's loads of stand-up comedy recorded here in Edinburgh. Now, before we get started, yeah. remember this. Yeah. Amnesty International is all about freedom of experience. Expression. Expressing yourself with freedom, like freely expressing. Yeah, and that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. yeah. So if you're easily offended, I suppose you might as well, uh, you know, buzz off. Yeah. You yeah. Go do something else or like turn off your headphones for five seconds. Yeah, or listen for five seconds and become a more interesting person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Go to uk slash edfest. That's on the computer. Mm-hmm. Excuse uh, me. Yep. To find out how you can get involved. Get involved. Yeah. What are you doing that's so important you can't get involved? Yeah. And honestly, you can get involved from your computer. Yeah. Do you, you know how to click? You can get involved. Click it. Yeah. First up, here's our reporter, Richard Melvin, talking to Jason Manford. He's the guy from The One Show. Yeah. I love The One Show. Terrific. So much better than The Two Show. So we're in a, a quiet corner of Venue 150, which is where the Amnesty uh, International Stand Up for Freedom gig is going to be on August the 19th, and we've bumped into Jason Manford. So how's your Edinburgh going so far? Good. It's like, um, this is the easiest one I've done, because the last few... Edinburgh's, you're in little venues and you're trying to, you know, get people to come and see you and stuff, and now people have sort of just come in, which is nice, so I'm not on the Royal Mile flyering, you know, I'm not doing any of that, which I've had to do in previous years, um, trying to just, or just trying to go, six, six people is all I need to make this show work, I can do it to six, um, now it's, you know, I'm not, it's nice just coming in for five days and then, it's like a little holiday. And what was your smallest Edinburgh audience? Um, zero was my smallest Edinburgh audience, and cancelled obviously because you were like no one here yeah when i first came up in 2005 it was a real slow start you know it was like oh this is hard work even two for ones i was like i can't even get two so it was really tough and um but then gradually it built and you know and the show did well and and then when i came back another time um it was a little bit better as well so i reckon after these five nights at the eicc i'll probably have broken even over the five years <laughs> finally now you're about to start doing the one show I am, yeah, next uh, next week, yeah. Are you looking forward to it? Um, yeah, I think so. It'd be a bit different. <clears throat> um, but I don't know. I mean, it is it is what it is, you know. It's, it's just sort of linking those sort of mad videos, you know. You're chatting to Bette Midler and then you've got to go, sorry, Bette, is um, Giles Brandreth at the Hat Museum or whatever, you know. So, yeah, that, it's going to be a bit of a, a learning curve for me and it's something I've never really done properly before. I've presented other shows but not... Um, you know, the comedy shows where you just got, you're just reading gags, really, or you're just doing gags. This is, you know, it's actually information I need to get across, and you can't just do gags all the time. It's got to be... I'm looking for fun rather than funny, I think. <laughs> That's my angle. How are you getting on with your uh, twins? All right, to be honest. They're, um, you know, they're a handful, like, and they're just, they're just starting to move in different directions, which is handy. Um, but you just got to pick your favourite. 
just follow that one. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the only way you can do it, really. You just live for the nap. You're like, they will nap soon, I think. And then as soon as they go down, you're just like, gone as well. I've just been napping at the same time, literally sleeping like a baby. So, uh, any plans for any more? Uh, yeah, we've got another one due in December, so we don't mess around. I remember saying to my dad, I said, oh, we're having back-to-back. He was like, that's how you should start sleeping, you two. Keep knocking them out like this. Um, so, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got another one due, and then we'll probably just tie a knot in it. Any more plans for any more 8 out of 10 cats? Yeah, 8 out of 10 cats is back in September. So we've got uh, seven of them, I think, eight of them. Um, and uh, so that's going to be a weird... Uh, it's going to be a weird one, so I'll be doing one show Monday to Thursday and then that'll be on on the Friday on Channel 4. So, But I think they're very different audiences. Now, you, you, you've been in Edinburgh a few times, done your shows in Edinburgh a few times, and one of the things uh, that Amnesty International is all about is, you know, freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. Now, you see some pretty outrageous things mm-hmm. happening in Edinburgh, certainly at late-night comedy clubs. Yeah. I mean, what's the most outrageous thing you've seen happen on stage here in, at the Edinburgh Festival? Um, I would say it's got to be um, an act called Ian Cognito, um, who closed his show by putting a firework up his backside and then lighting it, and it went off. Like he was naked as well, um, and all the time everyone's laughing and going, "This is the maddest thing I've ever seen." And all I was thinking was, "I've got to try and follow this guy <laughs> with jokes." <laughs> when I get up, they're going to go, "What? You're not going to?" Put anything up your bum. And I'm like, no, I've just got jokes, just funny things, like that my dad says. Your dad must be very proud, though, now. Yeah. You're making a career out of the stuff he says. Yeah, I mean, some of it is what he says. Some of it's, uh, you know, I've written and thought, well, that might be a bit harsh coming from me, but if I say if my dad says it, <laughs> it might make it a bit more palpable. Yeah, it was funny, actually. I did, I got asked, we spoke Manchester City, and um, I got asked to do a gig for Manchester City for the players, and it was like an evening with Sven Goran Eriksson when he was the manager. And... Um, so we went along and we had a great night and we were sat on the same table as Sven, sat right next to Sven and my dad's chatting away with Sven and like all night about the city team and all. And then he's had a few drinks and we're in a car on the way back and he sort of leant over like a bit drunkenly and was like, I'm sorry I told you off for messing about at school. <laughs> it's like, this is the fruition of that. <laughs> that fact I managed to, if you'd have become a solicitor or a teacher, I probably wouldn't have managed to meet this Manchester City manager, so cheers. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> That's great. Well, Jason Manford, thank you very much for speaking to pleasure. us on the podcast. My pleasure. Cheers. Thanks. Amnesty's Stand Up For Freedom show is on Thursday the 19th of August at Venue 150. John Bishop, Fred McCauley, Mark Watson, Adam Hills and loads of other top comedians will be performing all their best jokes. Visit amnesty.org.uk slash edfest to find out how you can get a ticket. Back in 1981... John Cleese hosted one of Amnesty's world-famous secret policeman's balls. Here's a clip from the archive. Ladies and gentlemen, before we start the show this evening, we do just want to take this opportunity of expressing on behalf of Amnesty our sincerest thanks to you for being with us tonight. And I'm sure that you'll be thrilled to know that tonight's house has raised the truly magnificent sum of £17,560. Thank you. We do really do want to thank each and every one of you, even those of you right up at the top there, <laughs> who only paid the, the, well, the minimum of, uh, <laughs> of uh, six pounds. Thank you. Three pounds fifty. What? It's not six pounds, it's three pounds fifty. That's right. It's only three pounds fifty. <laughs> you bastards. I mean, people... <laughs> 
being tortured to death all over the world and you're prepared to cough up the price of a prawn cocktail. <laughs> Aren't you ashamed of yourself, gate-crashing? Yes, you're right. Never mind, never mind, never mind. We won't, won't spoil the atmosphere, ladies and gentlemen. I did want to thank all of you. Well, most of you, anyway. <laughs> now, on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rowan Atkinson. Sorry, what? forget that the people up there are the casualties of our society. <laughs> Students. People gassed in the war. <laughs> Hospital porters. Dwarves. So, I mean, although they have only paid £3.50, I mean, they, let's face it, they've been saving up for this all, all year. This is their big splash. And they have at least paid for it out of their own pockets. Whereas... <laughs> these people down here are, let's face it, writing this off against, against tax. <laughs> Yes. I mean, how many, how many of the people down here have in fact paid for their own seats? See, nobody. There we are. There we are. It's about seven. It's incredible, isn't it? Never mind. On, on with the show, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rowan Atkinson. Actually, the people, the people who really get at my nose <laughs> are those people who buy the second cheapest seat. And the lot on the second layer down who'd like to be down here with the rich and influential, but are too flabby to pay top whack. It's you lot there, you the flabby, gutless, indecisive, sitting on every fence. They're the fucking social democrats. <laughs> I'm Laura Barnett. I'm commissioning arts editor on The Guardian, so I look after our print coverage in G2 and I've been writing about the festival all week and getting into as many shows as I can. So here are my top five tips for what to see at the festival this year. Number one on my list is Miles Jupp's show at the Gilded Balloon called Fibbing in the Heat, A Cricket Tale. Now, I'm not exactly a cricket fan. I don't really know anything about the sport whatsoever, but I really enjoyed it. It's an absolutely brilliant laugh and um, it actually made me want to switch the cricket on at some point in the summer, so that's quite a result. Then next on my list is Camille O'Sullivan at the Assembly Rooms. You can't come to Edinburgh and not see Camille. She's just an absolute institution. She's just fantastic. She lights up the room and she's got some new songs this year as well as old favourites like Nick Cave's The Ship Song. So it's a really good evening um, in the music hall under the chandeliers. It's beautiful. Then a slightly different one in the International Festival. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm looking forward to it. It's a, a Samoan choreographer called Lemmy Ponifacio um, who works in New Zealand and he's bringing his troupe of untrained dancers. They're all uh, sort of indigenous peoples from the Pacific Islands and they're coming over um, doing a couple of shows, one of which is about the pollution in, in the Pacific and what we can do to sort of um, sort that out. So that should be really interesting and just something a little bit different in the International Festival. You can't miss Comedy in the Dark at the Gilded Balloon, which is a really fun uh, late night show, which does what it says on the tin, obviously, in the dark. Uh, and it's part of a bid to improve the sort of eco-friendly rating of comedy and uh, to raise awareness among punters and comics about the importance of um, looking after the environment, which you wouldn't necessarily normally associate with comedy. But they have a different lineup every night and it's at the Gilded Balloon from quarter to 12 and uh, it's a good laugh. 
And lastly, David O'Doherty, Irish comic at the Pleasance Courtyard, is always a good bet. Um, you've got to love someone who plays a miniature Casio keyboard and uh, manages to look vaguely cool while doing so. It's a really feel-good hour. Um, he's self-deprecating, possibly a little, it goes a little too far that way, but um, he always brings it back, so he's just, he's really, really good. Um, definitely go and check out David. Uh, so those are my top five tips for what to see in Edinburgh so far. Oh, and another thing, anyone who's out all evening, a top tip from me, just remember to have your dinner, because if you forget, you're going to go from one show to another, you're going to get to 10 o'clock at night and then midnight and realise that you're totally starving and feeling quite ill. So make sure you eat. We're at the Underbelly and um, we've just managed to sneak in to have a chat with Keith Farnan just before you're about to go on stage. How do you feel at the moment? Oh, I've got a lot of adrenaline going through me, but, you know, I'm excited. And are you clinging on to reality? No, no, not at all. I think we all left that go as soon as we arrive in Edinburgh. Reality's left well behind. Right, OK. And what's your normal pre-show ritual? Oh, you know, the usual dancing girls and fancy cars and, uh, I don't know, sit around, have coffee, try and remember what I did right the night before or did wrong and, uh, and generally just try and keep it all together. Yeah. Right. You seem to be coping pretty well. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's been nice. It's quite relaxed, this festival. Uh, the crowds have been nice. Uh, it's a nice room. I, I've been to the Underbelly before, so I know everyone here, so it's, it's quite friendly, so it's, it's, it's quite lovely. And at least it's not too hot in here. Yes, the air conditioning has been fixed. That is a blessing, so hopefully we'll have a, a nice time of it, although something just blew while we stand here. It's the excitement. Oh, you got that live while somebody blew something at the back. We'll see what happened right there. Okay, well, I'm very much looking forward to see your show, so I won't ask you any questions, but I'll ask you a little bit about it afterwards. Lovely, look forward to that. Okay. Thanks, man. We'll see if the thing is still working. <laughs> One culture's enforced female circumcision is another culture's, what the hell are you doing to those women? Let them go. There's 100 million women in the world who have been mutilated because of this. 100 million women. If there was 100 men being chased around with the rusty scissors getting castrated somewhere in the world, we would immediately mobilize the UN. Fuck that, we'd mobilize someone who would actually do something about it. The UN have turned into the ITV of human rights, quite frankly. <laughs> Whenever anything happens, they lose transmission. That's all I'll say. I mean, at the start of the year, they appointed Iran on the Women's Rights Commission. Iran! That's like putting China on the Big Family Commission. I mean, they only just stopped Iran from stoning a woman because Robert Redford intervened. The Sundance kid turns up and they all shit themselves. That's unbelievable. I, I, I suppose a lot of this show came off this year because my, myself and my girlfriend started, you know, we started talking about having children. And, and she did this thing to me. She asked me one of the what-if questions. Ladies, I swear to God, if you're in a relationship, the hypothetical is the enemy of happiness. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> it is the enemy of happiness, the what-if question. I, you know, I, I'll, I'll never forget the first hurdle I fell at. The, the, you know, the what-if you'd never met me. The correct answer is, I'd be on an island of solitude, surrounded by a sea of loneliness in a bubble of one. And not Asher, I'd be with some other slapper, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, uh, the best what-if question I ever heard in my life was a, a, a husband was asked by his, his wife, you know, what if I died, would you remarry? And, and he went, God, I, I, I don't know. And she said, well, would you give her my things? And he said, no, 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 she's right-handed. Um, <laughs> Keith, you've just stepped off stage. That was a great show. Thanks, man. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was really nice, really lovely crowd, really lovely reaction. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can't ask for more, really, uh, with a show like this, because it is you know, quite a difficult sort of bunch of topics that I deal with, but everyone stayed with it and went with it all the way to the end, which is, which is you know, what can I, more can you ask for? Yeah, it's definitely it's quite a challenging narrative that you've got there, but sort of weaved in with lots of good 
daft jokes. Yes, you have to hit the jokes. It's about comedy. If it's not funny, then it's not a comedy show. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> there's as many jokes as I could possibly fit into a show like this. Absolutely. Okay, brilliant. And what's the reaction been like so far, generally? It's been great. I mean, people really, I think, you know, there's a real hunger out there for comedy that can engage. I mean, there's lots of silly stuff out there. I love as much as everyone else. I, I just like to be the guy who's just got a little bit more in the show that people can really sort of connect with or challenge or ask or even, you know, I, I, it's, yeah, that's what I like. Well, there's some stunning facts and stunning statistics, particularly about the female politicians around yeah, the world. Yeah. That, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, the fact that it's going to take uh, 200 years for the UK to have the equal amount of women and men in Parliament. It's going to take Ireland 370 years. Ireland are now behind Turkmenistan and Afghanistan. The Taliban are doing a better job at equality than Ireland are at the moment. That's not a good thing. Okay, so we're outside the uh, Gilded Balloon, um, and we are. I'm with Pete Johansson. Hi, Pete. Hey, how's it going, man? Not bad. <laughs> and I'm also with Carl Donnelly. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Yeah. Um, Carl, do you want to explain to the listeners what we're currently doing? Well, basically, we were going to do a podcast outside the Gilded Balloon, and we saw, spotted a cancer research uh, seven-seater bike. Um, they're they're going to be riding this from Land's End to John O'Groats. Other way around, John O'Groats to Land's End. Well, I'll do both. <laughs> and, um, so we thought we'd jump on and cycle around the, the Bristow Square while you talk to us. Wow. Yeah, well, we're going really fast now. That's too far. Oh, my God. Can we all work the brake on this thing? Uh, is there a brake? Pete, how are you? I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm a big pussy. This is not what I'm made for. Do you think the guy spotted these big bollards? I'm going oh, around. Jesus. Oh, it's got a tight turning circle. Jeez. <laughs> Carl, tell us a little bit about your show this year. <laughs> My show this year is a knock around a bunch of tales about my... I almost got famous this year by doing a pilot for the Charlotte Church show. It failed, and I talk about how happy I am it failed and how I'd much rather be cycling around Edinburgh on a seven-seat bike. <laughs> so, Pete. Hello. You don't look like much of a cyclist. I mean, no, no offence. Thanks, man. That really, really <laughs> brightened my day. <laughs> I've actually been really trying to get in shape this uh, festival. It's really That's strange. <laughs> so how's your shows going? It's pretty good. I've taken a different approach than Carl this year as I'm making mine really funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've just been going for like the just lots of laughter with a really strong message about abstinence from childbirth. And, uh, you know, been really good. So far I've been sold out the last three days and uh, great reviews, so I can't complain. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, right. Got to keep these answers short because I'm winded. <laughs> no, it's been a lovely festival, and having Harl as a roommate really sort of makes it that much better and brighter. Now, you guys went on tour together this year, didn't you? We did, yeah. That's why we decided to live together, because we realized we're the only people that can part with each other. <laughs> and how was the tour? It was up and down. There were some good days. There were some bad times. Henley was yeah. a bad day. In, Henley in, was bad. Yeah. Oxford. Oxford was rough. Yeah. I got heckled by a woman because I mentioned the word sex. And she went, oh, oh, why do people always talk about sex on stage? I went, it's not the subject, it's like what you say. And then, uh, and this was all before Pete went on, this whole show was about his balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we knew before he went on that she wasn't going to be his biggest fan. Okay, well, thanks very much for talking to us on this um, seven-seated purple bicycle. <laughs> it's been fun. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Okay, so we're stood now just at the edge of the stage in the, the Stand Comedy Club, and I'm with the director, Tommy Shepard. How are you doing, Tommy? Hi, Richard. I'm fine, yeah. We just had a sellout show there for Kevin Eldon, and uh, pretty good at half two in the afternoon. And uh, you can see Mr. Money on stage there with his props getting ready for 
his show in another 15 minutes. You've got a great program of events here, but you also do a few sort of late shows and composite shows. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those? Yeah, I mean, we, we put a big uh, premium on value for money at the Stand Comedy Club. We try and uh, give people, uh, you know, uh, good value. So we, we do a lot of package shows because, you know, a lot of people on the fringe will want to see something challenging, hopefully, and they'll find that here where some of the finest comedians in the world are doing full hours of original material, some of which is funny, some of which is thought-provoking and poignant, uh, but, but that's your sort of classic fringe show. But there's a lot of other people and a lot of local people who just want to come out and have a good laugh and, you know, obviously maybe have something to think about as well, but they don't want to sit for a full hour listening to one person. They prefer to have a variety show with three, four, five performers on the bill with a couple of intervals where they can have a drink or whatever, and it's, a, it's more of a big night out. So we try and do that as well. Uh, and our daily showcase, Best of Scottish Comedy, at 10 to 10 every night, offers a platform for four of the best uh, Scottish comics. You know, stars like Kevin Bridges or Fred McCauley and new guys coming through like Davy C and Mark Nelson and a whole host of others. So people are on their way to Edinburgh. Um, how can they find out about your lineup? Well, uh, I guess these days the website's the place to start, uh, thestand.co.uk. Ryan and Beverly here again. Here we are. Okay, we hope you're enjoying the podcast from Amnesty International. Oh, terrific. Tommy, that nice man from the stand, mentioned like a couple of young comedians. Yeah. There? Yeah. Okay, well, here's one of them in action. David C. Yeah. Davy oh. C. Yeah. Mm. Oh, David. Yeah. David. I don't know if he's Jewish. It's, David. It should I'm sure be. He's not. Honestly, I, he looks more like a David, but you'll have to just rely on your ears. Yeah. I was reading this other article about the media affects debate. The media affects debate. It's this critical argument. It looks at the way the media affects your life. For example, if you listen to too much Marlon Manson, you might want to go and shoot up a school. But if you listen to too much Celine Dion, you'd want to shoot yourself. <laughs> but this guy right in America, he killed all these people and he blamed a computer game called Manhunt. He said been playing this computer game so much made him want to go and kill people. I'm thinking that's quite a shaky excuse, really. You never get away with that like 10, 15 years ago, imagine. Little Ned, down the cop shop, getting interviewed by detectives. So, Mr. Hamilton, why exactly did you assault an innocent member of the public who repeatedly jumped in their head before stealing their rings? Is that Sonic the Hedgehog, man? <laughs> I've been playing it pure constantly, it's frying my brain. I just snapped that wee prick look like Dr. Robotnik. Uh. We're just going for a little walk around uh, Edinburgh with Mark Watson and his baby. He looks like he's just about to fall asleep. Yeah, this is quite an exciting moment for me because if he goes off to sleep now, this could easily be an hour of freedom for me. What's he called? His name's Kit. How old's Kit? Kit is uh, five months, so it's obviously his first Edinburgh. Not just his first Edinburgh, but the first time he's been alive for Edinburgh. You're doing the um, Stand Up For Freedom gig for Amnesty International on the 19th. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, it'd be great, I think. Nearly everyone good that I can think of is doing it by the sound of it. So it'll be terrific, I think. One of the things that uh, Amnesty are raising awareness for this year is the uh, jail Burmese comedian Zarganar. Oh, he's been in prison for ages, like, is it 25 years? 35, 35 years is his sentence. Extraordinary, yeah. For talking, for speaking out against the, the, uh, the regime. It's sort of mind-boggling situation, really. If all the comedians in this country that had uh, 
made a politically subversive joke were banged out, there'd be very few left. I'd be all right, probably, actually. <laughs> I've got very little topical material. It's incredible to think that, that there could be still, in this day and age, a country where you, you could do that. So it's an excellent cause, you know. I mean, Amnesty's um, record of uh, fighting for wrongly imprisoned people is astonishing as well. So, you know, hopefully it will work out. I heard about the fact that you're sending an iPod travelling around the country, is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I do a daily blog um, in which I set sort of challenges uh, on my website. Challenges or yeah, interactive games or basically just, you know, I, I set those kind of things in motion on the blog and people get involved. It was when Six Music looked like it was going to uh, be axed. But I said basically I'll give an iPod to someone um, who is concerned that they won't be able to keep up with new music and stuff if, uh, if Six Music is so uh, basically you had to make a uh, make a plea on my website for why you deserved the iPod and it was won by a lady who had just become a mum so I had she had my sympathy and basically she was terrified that she'd be really uncool and she was this was the end of her engagement with the contemporary world and she was so anyway I, she won it but I got people on the website to vote for who they thought was the most deserving case and then gradually the idea developed that we should pass it round between all the other people that re read the blog um, so now this iPod is travelling the country and everyone that gets it adds a song to it. So this iPod's been travelling for about four months now and I think because it's being handed between people that obviously don't know each other so it's, it's sort of about bringing strangers together in this very peculiar way. Walking around town today I see that there's loads of posters of you everywhere, yeah. big ones as well aren't they? Has anyone been tempted to graffiti your poster? Have you ever seen your face defaced? Yeah, I have. I think in Edinburgh you, you have to get used to that experience, especially the bigger the posters, the more likely they are to be ripped down. You'd think it would be quite distressing to see your face sort of like torn off a lamppost and all that, but actually you don't identify yourself as a person that's on the poster, really. It's almost like it's someone completely different. So I'm not at all precious about it. My mum, on the other hand, would be um, absolutely appalled if she could see uh, a poster of mine that had had mischief done to it. You know, but for me, I don't. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, where is your show, and when's it on? Uh, it is at the Assembly Hall, which is on the Mound, and it's on at ten thirty, late, very late. Well, thank you very much for talking to us on the Amnesty International Comedy Podcast. Cheers, mate. The Amnesty International Comedy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast for Thank International. You for Terrific. Make yeah. sure you listen to the next one. Listen Excuse to the next me. one. Where you can hear loads of more coverage loads from the Edinburgh more Festival. Coverage from the Edinburgh Festival. And guess what? Yeah. Excuse me. An interview with Ron and Beverly. Oh, can you imagine how lucky you'd be to hear that? Yeah. Oh. So be sure and uh, go on the computer and click to click to have a listen. Click it. Everyone in this podcast has donated their time and performance to Amnesty International. We use our freedom of expression to support those who have none. Protect freedom of expression for everyone by joining Amnesty at amnesty.org.uk slash edfest. Before we go, if you're going to be in Edinburgh this weekend on Sunday the 15th of August, come to Meadowbank Stadium at 1.30 to see the Comedians vs Critics football match. Studs will fly. Studs will fly.